Welcome to the Channel Plan. This is episode 60, episode Daniel Brunskill. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined, as always, by my host, Akash. Akash, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic on this Wednesday morning. I know some Niner fans are freaking out. Their team's two and two. George Kittle says the sky isn't falling, but it feels like that on 49ers Twitter. How are you doing, man? I'm fine, man. Not worried, unbothered. Um, <laughs> I think it's okay to give the other team credit. I think the 49ers defense did a phenomenal job against Seattle. I think eventually they just wore down. You can't go on the field time after time after time and expect to get stops after you pretty much did so for an entire half. So um, based on that, I don't think the sky is falling. And you have to imagine, you know, no matter – if Trey Lance does play, and we're going to get into that right now, he's going to be better just by practicing more. And there are a lot of takes on Sunday during the game just saying that, oh, they're going to have to do this for the offensive. They're screwed. They should have drafted another quarterback. Like, nope, that's not how this works because just think about what Trey Lance spent doing the last month. He was moonlighting as Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. And I would imagine maybe 10 plays, 10% of the time he was practicing the 49ers offense, the team that he plays for. So naturally, when he's thrown out there in the second half, when Kyle Shannon said he didn't know that Jimmy was even not, Jimmy wouldn't be available to start the third quarter. There's no way to even during the halftime to prep, to come up with plays. So the game plan wasn't for Trey Lance and it looked like it wasn't for Trey Lance. When Trey Lance played, it looked like he had not practiced at all. His head was spinning. There's no doubt about it, and that's to be expected when you have a 21-year-old quarterback who has not played a live game since 2019 and has not gotten reps with the players that he's playing and has not practiced at the plays you are calling for. I feel like all of this is very common sense, and now, knowing that you have a week to prepare, knowing that you're going to go against a divisional opponent who you are, you are familiar with, so that should you know make life a little bit easier for Kyle Shanahan, I think we're going to see a much better product on the field and I think that's going to go into my prediction later on. So let's talk about the QBs because Kyle Shannon did not realize Jimmy Garoppolo, who suff suffered a calf contusion. It's based on what Jimmy said, you would have thought he wasn't going to miss, like he wasn't going to play anytime soon. He seemed just broken. Uh, he, he got a little emotional and it seemed like the inevitable. He was just frustrated because, you know, it, for what, the fourth or fifth time in five years, uh, he didn't make it past the fourth game without an injury. Again, you don't you never want to wish injury on somebody, but in the 49ers case, like what were they expecting? Seriously, like what did they think was going to happen? So here we are heading into week five. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be questionable. I imagine when the injury report comes out. What do you want to do if you are Kyle Shannon? Do you throw out your starting quarterback? Despite a year ago, we were almost in the same predicament, and you know, you rush him back, and then that injury lingered and that forced him to miss the entire season and shut it down. It does help because you have a first round draft pick, but as we mentioned, pretty much for the past two months, however long it's been since training camp started, they haven't been getting Trey Lance ready. So that's a lot to put on his plate to ask him to be ready to go for a regular season game with what essentially like three practices. Uh, there's a lot going on for this quarterback decision. What should the 49ers do? Let's start with how they both played this past Sunday um against the Seahawks I thought Jimmy Garoppolo had a great opening drive in terms of that was the Jimmy Garoppolo that we've seen in past years right efficient gets the ball out quickly 
is able to just push the ball to his receivers and they're able to efficiently move the ball down the field. The run game was cooking. Trey Sermon looked good. Their offense just looked fantastic. They got off to a great start. And then it kind of fell apart after that interception he threw where Quandre Diggs, Quandre Diggs makes a fantastic play. Then we saw the bad side of Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, the high misses, just being a little inaccurate, um, having, you know, misses on certain plays. And the next thing you know, the offense couldn't really find rhythm. And in that first half, I think they had five more drives and they they didn't score at all. They only ended the half with seven points. And this was all while the defense was playing lights out against Russell Wilson. And I kept thinking to myself that we've seen this movie before. You let a good quarterback like Russell Wilson hang around for long enough. He's going to punish you. And that's exactly what happened in the second half. So I thought this game was lost in the first half when the 49ers offense just couldn't put up any points. You know, they had to bury Seattle in that moment and they just didn't. And it came back to bite them, you know, in the ass eventually. And then Trey Lance in the second half. And for all the things that you said where he's not getting first-team reps, he's not practicing with these receivers, he hasn't worked on these plays, I thought he showed some progression as he, you know, went through the game. He showed a lot of moxie, a lot of toughness in that spot when you're a 21-year-old rookie. I like it. Moxie, yeah. 21-year-old rookie quarterback. Your, you know, first real snaps as quarterback um, in a game against a divisional opponent. You're down two scores at home. It's just a brutal spot to be put in, and I thought he responded pretty well considering the circumstances. Yes, he missed some throws. He missed some reads, didn't see some open receivers, whatever. you know. But I thought he showed enough in that game where you can go into this week feeling somewhat confident that, okay, we can put together a game plan. We can work on these things with him and get him somewhat ready for the Arizona Cardinals game. I do think Kyle Shanahan didn't necessarily mention Jimmy Garoppolo's game status because why would you? Why would you give Arizona's defense – you know, six days to prepare for a certain quarterback. I think you just hold off till Wednesday. You say, oh, I think Jimmy's progressing. We'll make it a game time decision. And then you just you just hold it until Friday. And then come Friday, you promote Nate Sudfeld from the practice squad. Jimmy Garoppolo probably doesn't play. Trey Lance named the starter. And boom, you go from there. And I'm guessing the Cardinals probably expect this too. But there's no reason for him to say, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't playing this week. I think you just stay mum on it. It's kind of what Matt Nagy has done with Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. And I think Kyle Shanahan goes this, this similar route, but I don't think there's any reason for you to risk, you know, further injury for Garoppolo, maybe lowering his trade value, whatever the case is. You've got a guy that, you know, could use the reps. Um, you traded three first round picks for all that stuff. So go play that guy. Let Jimmy Garoppolo get fully healthy this time around. And that way you get to see what you have with Lance. And if Lance proves that he can continue to stay on the field, then Jimmy Garoppolo won't ever play again for the 49ers. And I, I just think that, that that's how that goes. So everything you said about the quarterback situation as far as on Wednesday, we're going to take it day by day. We're going to see how it is come the game time. And then on Saturday at noon or at 1, they're going to call up uh, Nate Sudfield from the practice squad, and we're going to pretend like it's a surprise that Jimmy G can't go. But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, at this point, you don't want to risk um, what Jimmy – like you don't want to risk him injuring that calf further. So um, – we talked about all summer just about this being a potential Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick situation. Let's say that Trey does play and let's say that he doesn't light the world on fire, but he plays well enough to win. And that's how the 49ers have been winning for a long time. Mind you, it's, it hasn't been pretty like the Lions game was not pretty. The Eagles game was not pretty pretending that those two wins were just like squeaky clean and they were able to get out of there wire to wire. That's not how it works. But if you can win, in the division with Lance in his first career start, 
that would be tough to go back to Jimmy G. So do you think Kyle pulls a Jim Harbaugh and just keeps going week by week where we're going to see how Jimmy is, we're going to see how Jimmy is, and keep giving Lance the keys? Do you see a scenario like that playing out, or what do you think happens in that scenario where Lance plays well enough? Like he's not going to light the world on fire, as I mentioned, but you know they win, and that's what really matters. I think in that scenario, it would be hard-pressed to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, you've got Trey Lance. You got this twenty-one-year-old rookie, and if he plays just well enough to win, or if he plays well enough, I mean, win-loss that it's separate from that, right? Depends on how the game game looks. But I think it's up to Trey Lance if he can protect the ball, if he can make enough plays with his legs, if he can, you know, uh, make enough throws to give Kyle Shanahan confidence that he can, you know, evolve that side of his game as well. Then I think he's going to continue to play. I think the only scenario in which Jimmy Garoppolo returns and plays is Trey Lance was just was an absolute tire fire and you know they couldn't move the ball on offense and he's turning the ball over left and right etc that would be the only scenario where i think you know they come back and jimmy garoppolo plays but if he's playing well enough they're you know keeping him close in games etc then i think you just roll with the rookie and give him the valuable you know playing reps that he needs um a lot of people you know it's a little bit of the both sides of your mouth argument right on one side you're saying wow he's so inexperienced how do you play him but he's so inexperienced, so wouldn't you want to play him so that he gets the experience that he needs? And so it's kind of like this double-edged sword. And I think now is the perfect opportunity because you're not necessarily benching Jimmy Garoppolo because of play. He's hurt. So it's easy for you to justify, oh, I had to play Trey Lance. And he just played well, so now he takes over. And it seems like the seamless transition that you'd want um, to not break up like team chemistry and things like that. There's no awkward benching or, or any of that, you know? So I, I think Kyle Shanahan's hoping that Trey Lance just takes the reins here. Um, and I think ultimately it's up to him whether he stays the starter or not. So one way for Trey Lance to play well is to rely on his playmakers. I think he has to do a much better job of that, of just getting the ball out, trusting his guys, and knowing where they are. So Debo Samuel has been unbelievable to start the season. Uh, George Kittle still George Kittle. Brandon Ayuk has been AWOL. There were a few plays on third down in the second half when they're driving, still trying to score, still trying to win the game. Brent Ayuk is not on the field. I have no idea why, and I hope that somebody asked Kyle Shanahan that today. Like, what's going on? You already benched him once for essentially not blocking, and that wasn't the case last week because he was on the field for a lot of the play. I believe he played 60% of the – or no, he played 86% of the snaps last week. He played 67% this week. Uh, against Seattle, he had three targets. He had four punt returns. He touched the ball more on special teams than he did on offense. You traded up in the first round to draft him. That is not okay. I don't know why or what is going on. Um, Something has to happen, but he's just too dangerous of a threat, too valuable to this offense, too valuable for a player like Trey Lance to ignore and not being able to work with down after down after down. So they got to find a way to get Brandon Ayuk rolling. And I think once they do that, that's when we'll see more of the offense start to open up, whether that's the passing game, whether that's the running game, whether it's all of the above. But I just can't imagine going another week where Brandon Ayuk just doesn't get the ball. So in the offense, Debo Samuel and George Kill account for 71% of total targets. So, you know, lot, I, th- I think Debo Samuel has 42% and George Kittle has 29% and Brandon Ayuk not even close to either of those guys, which is nuts because I coming into the season, we would have thought that Ayuk would be by far and away the leading, you know, target getter on this team, but six yards 
against Philly, 37 yards against the Packers, 15 yards against the Seahawks. Debo has more yards on one play than Brandon Ayuk has in the entire season. That hurts. That is a stinger. It's the Kyle Shanahan sophomore year receiver slump. It seems like everybody goes through it. Dante Pettis went through it. He never recovered. Debo Samuel went through it last year. He's recovered. Now Brandon Ayuk's going through it. Some, it's some weird thing where they flash at the end of their rookie year and then they just suck their second season and then they bounce back. Or some players have bounced back, some have not. How much of this is on Kyle Shanahan? Not just the Brandon Ayuk thing, but the court, the developing quarterback, the special teams miscues, the penalties, um, the lack of discipline is what it seems like because uh, Jordan Elliott wrote a good article just that the 49ers have a lack of discipline issue or they have a discipline issue. Um, from penalties, from turnovers, from just boneheaded mistakes that they seem to make year after year, game after game. How much of this is on the head coach? A lot of it. I, you know, we talked about it last week a little bit. I hit on it just during the game. Kyle Shannon just seems underwhelming this year for whatever reason. He was out schemed last week. Um, and I thought just overall as a coach, whether it's game management, managing penalties, discipline, um, things like that just been off this year for whatever reason. Even in years past when we've had a ton of injuries, the team always seemed really put together. This year they just don't seem that way for whatever reason. They just don't ins- inspire much confidence in you when you watch them, especially on offense. You're Compared to you know years past when even the quarterback play wasn't as good, you thought they just seemed to move the ball better. They just seemed to be more effective in these spots. They just seemed to know what to do in big moments. Yet the season just doesn't feel that way. And I think if they didn't play Detroit or Philly, their record would be a lot worse and people would be reacting accordingly. But because they're two and two, I feel like a lot of people are just like, okay, they're two and two. They get a win here. They can get right. But I don't know. It's been, you and I talk a lot about process over results and their process this season has just not been very inspiring. And that starts at top. You can be honest. It sucks. (laughs) There's, there's no way around it. Just look at how other teams, what other teams have done to the Lions. Look what other teams have done to um, who they, the Eagles. So, yeah, I just couldn't imagine, man, um, the way that they've entered the season because we thought that this was going to be, you know, they were going to hit the ground running, probably weren't going to lose more than one or two games like the entire first half of the season, not just for the bye week, but it just doesn't look like they're a cohesive unit. And the the – whole point of bringing everybody back was to be a cohesive unit was to be on the same page so that your running game can get going so that your passing game was in sync so that Jimmy looked better with you know all the returning weapons and yeah their offense has just been out of sync that has been the case in every game sure they played the Lions and their numbers are going to look a lot better because of it but like the, even their DVOA numbers it doesn't they're not playing that it's well middle like the of seventh the in the offensive they're actually seventh in DVOA um on offense they are Ninth in passing and fifth, or sorry, fifteenth in rushing, and those even seem high. But the big plays do help, so I, I get that. If you um, take out like the Debo Sam, the two giant Debo, Debo Samuel touchdowns, excuse me, I wonder how those numbers look. But yeah, if you take out the yeah. Lions game, they the, the the advanced metrics don't necessarily match the eye test with this offense, where even some of the EPA per play numbers or the success rate numbers look a lot higher than you'd expect just watching every drive that this team puts together, especially on Sunday. They just they struggled for a large part of that first half. And it, at the end of the day, it comes down to the head coach and the quarterback. And they just, those two guys have not been good enough this season. That's why they're two and two. And, you know, you and I expected during this three game stretch where they had green Bay, Seattle and, uh, 
Arizona for them to go at least two and one. There's a chance that they go zero and three. Vegas thinks they're going to go zero and three, yeah, and true. that would be just a brutal start, especially in this division if they lose against Arizona. Now all of a sudden Arizona's five and zero. You're two and three, um, and you know you're well behind in the wild card race. But you know two in the division just would set you back. So massive, massive game in Arizona this week um, for Kyle Shanahan and this 49ers team if they want to do anything, you know, to make noise this year. So we're going to take a break here. We're going to turn the page and talk about Arizona with one of my buddies, Blake Murphy from Revenge of the Birds. So we will be right back. Welcome back. We are joined by a very special guest, Blake Murphy from Revenge of the Birds. Blake, introduce yourself to our friends. Hey guys, yeah, staff writer for Revenge of the Birds, host of the uh, Revenge of the Birds podcast or the ROTB pod, and uh, currently person who would have loved to have said that it would have picked the cards to be 4-0 and the last team standing, but uh, even I probably wouldn't have seen that coming. So it's just <laughs> glad to be here going into a huge divisional game this week with the Cards and Niners uh, coming off of a Thursday night football with the Rams and Seahawks. So we're just getting all of this NFC West stuff out of the way early in the season. I like that, though. I like that we get a chance to see, you know, where each team stands. Um how if they are really for real and let's talk about that because the cardinals they have gotten off to hard start hot starts the past couple seasons their team is better this year there's no doubt about it but you know there's always as long as their head coach is who their head coach is there's always going to be some thinking like are they for real so through a month of the season like you think the cardinals are for real yeah, I think their offense has developed to the point where the first couple seasons, like you you think back to where they began and coming off of that 2018 season with like a bottom three offense in the last decade. And a lot of the talent is just being able to improve enough to the point um, that Kyler Murray essentially is being able to put up these MVP like stats because he's got enough protection and weapons now around him. And there's a lot of trust that Cliff has in him, at least as a play caller, where, you know, he's trusting him to be able to make the right calls and plays. Or in some of these cases, you know, Kyler is able to pick up a 17 yards with his legs on like a third and 16. Uh, but that hasn't been really the story this year so much as where in 2020 his legs were like the thing that kept their offense going. This year they've been just a pass first team that has been able to beat you in a variety of ways. And that's kind of been one of the areas where people are like, hey, is Arizona for real? And the answer to that, at least, is they've gone out and kind of proven that they can beat teams with winning records, which is something they only did twice, I believe, in 2020. And it was on that you know crazy finish to the Seattle Seahawks game where Cliff iced his own kicker and then the Hale Murray, of course. Other than that, they really struggled in 2020. This year, they've at least been able to put up about 35 points a game, it seems like, regardless of they're playing and that's been a big step forward uh for this offense so it helps when you have one of the best wide receivers in the nfl if not the best it helps when you have a wide receiver in aj green that's big bodied and can complement deandre hopkins it also helps when you replace the targets you were giving a 57 year old wide receiver with a wide receiver who runs a 4-2 and all of a sudden those screens look much better so I don't know how much credit I want to give Cliff for that. <laughs> um, but we do have to talk about Kyler because he is playing at an MVP level. And I don't think I think it's, you know, objective to say that he's just I don't know if he's been the best quarterback, but he's been the most valuable quarterback to this point, just based on what the offense is asking him to do. 49ers have a history of struggling with mobile quarterbacks. They actually did a really good job against Russell Wilson 
all things considered, Russell Wilson, sure, he had a touchdown run, but for the most part, they kept him corralled in the pocket. Um, Akash, when we're talking about the 49ers defense against the Cardinals offense, what do you think um, is something that, you know, could give the 49ers issues potentially? It's what always gives the 49ers defense fits, which is mobile quarterbacks extending the play. It's where Kyler's killed him in the past is the second, third reaction plays off of, you know, whatever play it was called. The, you know, initially the 49ers pass rush will try to contain Kyler Murray and then uh, he comes up with his usual magic and makes an off script play that always kills the 49ers. And I think, you know, we saw that in both matchups last season. Um, even though they went, they split, I believe, right? Where they went one on one. So, I say, I say that's probably the biggest issue that Murray presents them, and he's even taken a step forward this season. And if you look at some of the, you know, the advanced numbers, he's fifth in DR, um, which is defense, uh, you know, adjusted yards over yards above replacement, a stat that Football Outsiders does. Um, he's fourth in DVOA, he's third in QBR, um, nine passing touchdowns over seventy percent completion. Just a fantastic start. And now with, you know, the 49ers having issues at cornerback, um, it just becomes that much more, they become that much more susceptible uh, to Murray and this Arizona passing attack. So, Blake, as far as, you know, the passing attack, let's keep it there. Do you think that the Cardinals do have the advantage here? Because the 49ers do have a bang-up secondary. They rolled out your old friend, Dre Kirkpatrick, as a starter last week. Who, you know, he was fine. He was aggressive, which I liked. And, you know, he... He's scrappy. Yeah, he's scrappy in that regard. That's that's probably the best way to put it, even though I'm not sure that you're allowed to say that. it only has to be, you know, cross-racial. Ooh, I was about to say, yeah, we have to be talking about Hunter so, Renfro yeah. specifically. Right. It's the, <laughs> right. the Gruden grinder. <laughs> be, care- be careful when we're talking about scrappy cornerbacks. But all right, uh, what do you what do you like in this uh, um, in this matchup as far as the Cardinals go for the for their passing offense? Yeah, the biggest the biggest improvement that they've made, at least from I could say a year ago to now, is in both recognition of teams that are going to blitz, but also if you talked to me last year and if a team was able to get pressure with four, then it was essentially down to Kyler has to be able to scramble with his legs like regardless because they just did not have the ability to block teams that were rushing, you know, four or even five guys. They would just lose those one-on-one matchups. So a big reason for the improvement this year has been uh, really uh, – hinging upon Rodney Hudson and his addition at center because they went from a guy at Mason Cole, who as soon as he got traded away from the team was switched to guard as their center to a guy who's like a two-time pro bowler and one of the probably better centers in the NFL. He's even helped Kyler as far as with his recognition on different play calls were like uh, the Tennessee Titans game at the start of the season. Um, Titans were in cover zero. Hudson points it out. Murray ends up kind of just runs backwards like he's in Madden, you know, like the Michael Vick scrambling, like, you know, 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage and throws a 70-yard bomb. You're like, okay, that's just a video game character. Well, he's one of the guys who has that talent to do that in real life, is able to burn them deep with no deep safety and just take advantage at least. So by being able to beat the Blitz and having a lot better pass protection up front, it's really allowed Cliff to be able to focus on spreading teams out and taking advantage of one-on-one matchups against corners. So Where Arizona would have the advantage in that regard is, this is part of why they've been thriving, is they've been able to do well enough in protecting Murray that if you don't have like three or four capable corners, you're going to be able to get beat at some point just because even if you're able to slide your safeties to prevent, you know, Hopkins from getting loose or if you have a Jalen Ramsey like the Rams did last week, 
they'll just feast on some of the other weapons, at least whether it's going to be Kirk or AJ Green, or as we've seen over a couple of weeks, um, finding some mismatches with their tight end, Max Williams, which has been, you know, one of the areas I think that people joked about was last week, you know, DeAndre Hopkins flexed over to the right side. And it was almost like, oh, Hop is on the Hop can move to the other side of the field now. Oh, man. Now, like we've just unlocked the offense and Cliff is throwing to tight ends now. Oh, man. Like what's and that was one of the arenas where by finding those multiple mismatches and by being able to have enough protection, uh, it's kind of made it where it's almost it's, it's been a nightmare for defenses to prepare for because Kyler's. He hasn't been rushing for a lot of yards like they've done a few design runs for the most part, but really like the days of him running for 100 yards and just scrambling and making plays like he did in week one of 2020 against the Niners last year. It seems like they're, he's just trusting his legs a lot more. And part of it is just because of that wide receiver core of the four players where they can beat you in multiple ways. And um, uh, EJ Green surprisingly has been the team's leading receiver through the first four weeks, which I think if you asked pretty much anyone the last few years, including even hardcore Bengals fans, they would have not seen that coming. Even when you watch their offense, it doesn't seem like he would be their leading receiver either. But um, you made a good point just about having cornerbacks and moving around because when Jalen Ramsey went in the slot, they threw it outside. When Jalen Ramsey went outside, they threw it to the slot. Like there's easy ways to get around it. And Hopkins has mostly been stagnant where he lines up on the left side. The 49ers could, you know, put one of their cornerbacks, whoever they feel like would be the best matchup, and leave him on Hopkins, which would be the defense's right side. I imagine we will see that. I don't know if that's going to be Emmanuel Mosley, although he has played very well this season. Like, you cannot take that away from him. So he's been targeted 12 times, and he has four pass breakups. He's been very aggressive. He looked good against DK Metcalf last week. The last time that he played against Arizona was week one of last year. He lined up against DeAndre Hopkins. He was targeted 13 times, allowed eight receptions. It was for only 75 yards, but some of those were killer. And he just kept giving up first down after first down. So uh, when you talk about matchups, I do wonder, you know, who Cliff wants to pick on. And D'Amico Ryans has made he's not trying to hide what he wants to do at all. He's going to play man coverage. He's probably going to bring an extra rusher and he's just going to bank on his pass rush getting home. So let's talk about the offensive line that the Cardinals have, especially if they're going to be in this empty uh, 10 personnel, which is whether, you know, they have four or five guys out in the route that puts a lot of pressure on their offensive line to hold up against a pass rush where Nick Bosa looks like Nick Bosa again. D Ford has a speed rush around the edge and they're starting to get, you know, more pressure up the middle, which, helped with sacking Russell Wilson a couple times last week. What do you think will happen up front in the trenches on that side of the ball this week? Yeah, I think that's one of the areas where, like you said, the Niners can struggle with mobile quarterbacks. And some of that is just because of how aggressive the defensive line is able to be. I mean, look at last year, at least, where there are times where you'd have Bosa and then other guys would be kind of screaming and flying and off the edge. And Kyler would just kind of run around the back door. It is funny that you mentioned like Hopkins. I just had to double check at least to see. I think it was like he had 13. Was it 13 receptions, I think, in his opening game? against the Niners last year. He's got like only 17 receptions through four games thus far. So it's a vastly different offense. It's not like completely dependent on DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I think as far as the offensive line goes, we got to see early in the Rams game last week, first drive, the Rams got through with a sack of Murray. There was pressure at least on the second play. And it was like, there was this immediate adjustment. They were able to make at least to some of the protections. Um, some of it was, I think they slid Max Williams over, were able to use a extra blocker for some plays. And they spent a lot of time in 11 personnel this year, which 
you know, everyone talks about the 10 personnel. Arizona uses it more than probably any other team. Um, but they've really been able to kind of rotate based on some of their matchups. Um, if they ended up liking some of either the, um, you know, whether it's the plays that are schemed up downfield, they didn't use Rondell Moore a lot last week, but he ended up being in the backfield for a couple of different plays. Um, I think the biggest matchup that I'm looking at is going to be DJ Humphreys uh, against Nick Bosa. If that's going to be the lineup, you may also have, if he ends up moving on to the, um, against the right tackle of that side of the line. Josh Jones has had an excellent start to the year, whether it's at right guard or at right tackle. Uh, as a guy that in 2020 was coming out of an air raid scheme with Dana Holgerson, um, sat a year basically on the bench, ended up winning the right guard job outright. Um, some either COVID protocols or injury issues helped with some of that in camp, at least, where he got the majority of the snaps. But he's been a good pass protector, but is still young in that regard. So it's going to be interesting as far as if their tackles are able to hold up um, because they've had some injury issues as far as when it comes to that right side of the line. Kelvin Beecham has been day to day. Um, and that's put Max Garcia in as the right guard for the most part. So Justin Pugh on the guard spot has been playing very well. Rodney Hudson has been. So really, if you're going to be attacking the Cardinals, trying to attack that right side of the line and forcing Josh Jones and then a backup guard to hold up or just seeing, hey, we can design this pass rush that gets DJ Humphreys one-on-one. He's much more of kind of this strong run blocker who's fine in pass pro, but he can get beaten a lot on um, these type of edge rushes. Um, you can just flip on Panthers tape and watch how Brian Burns took him to town the last couple of years for the most part um, when playing those type of speed rushers. So I think that the Niners, the biggest area it's going to come down to is going to be forcing some turnovers. We can talk some about that, but there's a huge difference to the Cardinals when they turn the ball over in games. They've so far managed to be able to either overcome it or have some sort of voodoo force the Vikings to miss a field goal. <laughs> but other than that, it's essentially come down to winning the turnover battle has been the reason why the Cardinals right now have been the last undefeated team in the league in those other three games. Generally in the NFC West, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll generally seem to get the bulk of respect, whether it be nationally or or locally. Um, and, and the Cardinals over the past few years have have been seen more as, you know, winning despite having – uh, Cliff Kingsbury at head coach or Vance Joseph at, at defensive coordinator. How do you think the perception of this coaching staff has changed with a 4-0 start, a lead in the NFC West, a huge win last week, you know, at L.A., uh, et cetera? Well, you know, you can just even look at this their fast start, at least, which is how, you know, at the start of the year, I think Cliff was at plus 750 or so as to be the first head coach fired. That's been replaced by Matt Nagy as of right now, I think, at least. So it's a good, good job, Chicago. Uh, and Cliff has now, I think, been like the last update that I'd saw. It was like plus 600 for coach of the year, which I'm like, I, I don't know if that's going to end up being the case at least. But it's been one of the arenas that you have to at least give some credit, regardless of what you think about Cliff, is where when adjustments have needed to have been made, he has gone forth and made those adjustments. Like the Cardinals in year one went from this, you know, 10 personnel air raid that, okay, we can't protect against four guys rushing with five O-line to being this 12 personnel, you know, more run heavy type of team to be able to adjust it. And then in year two, you see at least the passing attack take a step forward using a lot more design runs for Kyler Murray to actually like stress defenses with his legs. And now year three, you're kind of seeing like the whole what people expected with this air raid offense of being able to just have all these receivers you're throwing to a combination of these quick passing horizontal plays and these deep ball throws that you're able to make down the field to guys one on one. So it really is like a spot where it, Cliff can adjust 
and he's got trust in his players to be able to kind of go through and make plays. And if players are going to reward when you have that trust in them, the capability, like, you know, he puts the players out on the field, at least trust Kyler Murray in a clutch situation to pick up a fourth and one with his legs. And it's like, all right, I, probably would trust Kyler Murray too. When you see the play call, you're like, Oh, that was almost could have been a loss, but Kyler just made it work. And it's like, okay, you give the coach credit. At least he trusted his player to be able to make a play. And it's not like he's been stuck in the mud of, you know, when there's arenas and stuff that he's needed to be able to make changes he has. And in some regard, maybe that's all you can ask for your coach as far as if he's going to be able to perform or exceed in the NFL, whatever your expectations are you have to be able to at least at that point work with your players and be able to I'm going to work with even your coaching staff. Like he's, he's changed so much as far as his approach to what it was with O-line from the start. Whereas you see how urban Meyer coming in, you're like, yeah, this is a guy who's like not knowing what to do as far as with adjusting and trust is a whole other issue, but we're, we're not going to talk about, you know, his married life or anything else like that, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Different level well, of adjusting and trusting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So Blake, thank you for joining us. Before we let you go, I want to talk about, let's make some score predictions. So as of right now, the 49ers are five and a half point underdogs to the Cardinals. The total on the game is 50. The look ahead line for this, for those of you who don't know what a look ahead line is, Vegas puts out these lines at the beginning of the season. The 49ers were one-point favorites. So that just tells you the perception of how Vegas thought the teams would be before the season started and how they performed to this point. So what is your prediction for Sunday? I think, and this is kind of going to be one of those weird avenues where a lot of times when you people expect something for a team to be like outright dominant, things end up going in a totally different direction. The clearest example of that is the Jaguars game in which the end score doesn't really reflect how the game went for most people. Like go through a half and Arizona fans are like, all right, you come out of the half, Kyler throws a pick, like what is going on? Team ends up putting up 35 and comes away with it. I think this is going to be a slightly lower scoring game than pe- most people will pick the Cardinals to get like, you know, 34, 35 points. I think that this is going to be one where it's going to be a bit lower scoring. I could see it where, um, you know, it's going to be at home. Arizona's coming off of a huge push against the Rams. I've got it as a score of 28 to uh, 24, where it's a little closer than people would um, like as far as if you're a Cardinals fan. I still think that they'll end up getting the dub for the most part, just due to how it is. But the biggest thing I think if you're looking for the Niners fan as far as a weakness is Cardinals have not been good against the run. Uh, normally you would say that that would be an advantage to the Niners, but the run game has just been kind of out of <laughs> sorts this year where it's like, okay, we don't know which running back is starting or playing. And then everyone finally thinks, all right, finally, we understand, we know where Kyle and his running back preferences for this week. And Kyle always says, no, you never do. And then Kyle Juszczyk ends up getting like two touchdowns and ends up being a major part of like the passing attack out of the backfield. You're like, oh, all right. It is going to be really interesting. The narrative will drastically shift if the Niners are able to come out with the dub here because they'll be like, all right, like whoever's the starter, at least they figured something out, took advantage, obviously, of Arizona's, um, you know, their young linebackers or Jordan Hicks, who can, you know, he's played like a young linebacker at times for whatever reason, at least this year. It's been that's been kind of a unique, uh, unique signing, at least nothing like your GM, you know, giving away his starting job to start the season. The coach is saying, no, not really <laughs> through uh, the first portion. So I've got that as the score, at least prediction. And I think that's one of the spots where most people, their heads would say this is going to be a place where. Arizona should be able to just kind of run away with it, similar to what Seattle did last week. I just think the things get crazy in divisional games. We've seen that time and time again in the NFC West, mostly Arizona against Seattle, where 
you know, teams that should never have, you know, competed with teams like that would somehow manage to win. I think that's going to be at least a bit closer. Wouldn't shock me at least for that one. If um, Cardinals do end up opening up the throttle a little bit was taking advantage, but I've got this as being a bit closer of an NFC West matchup. And hopefully it looks good for Trey. If he ends up being the starter on Sunday, or if it's Jimmy, then Cardinals fans are probably going to be either, Excited by the end of the game or just absolutely terrified that, you know, Garoppolo somehow goes for a third game of 400 plus yards and three touchdowns off of them. Akash, what's your score prediction? I think, you know, just with the the Vegas line at, uh, you know, the Cardinals getting five and a half points. I don't think they cover, but I do think the Cardinals win a close game. I just think the 49ers have um, just too much going on in terms of injuries this week. Um, coming off of a weird loss against Seattle. You figure this would be a must-win game, but I just think the Cardinals' offense is going to be too much. I think Trey Lance in his first start is going to have flashes, but I think he's going to have his fair share of struggles as well. Um, And I think ultimately the Cardinals are just a better team right now, and I think that's going to show on Sunday, and it's going to be a close win for the Cardinals. And I, I did pick Seattle last week too, so I'm not just picking to pick. No, and that's fair, and I... I could see why people would pick Seattle. I can see why people would pick Kyler this week because he is playing at a very, very high level. Their offense is ridiculous right now. They're second in the NFL in EPA per play. They would be first any other year if Patrick Mahomes didn't exist. So, you know, kudos to what Cliff Kingsbury has done. I like the matchup for the 49ers, and I think that they will be able to contain a lot of what Kyler and Cliff are able to do on offense. I think that having a player like Jimmy Ward being able to go in the slot and take away a guy like Rondell Moore on those screens and just the speed of the t- the speed of the 49ers defense should allow, you know, them to limit those big type of plays. Um, Kyler's going to get his. There's no doubt about it. The way that he can scramble around for what it seems like 14 seconds on some plays and still find a receiver down the field is as impressive as it gets. Um we're almost at the point where we're running out of superlatives for him, which is pretty scary because he still has a ways to get better, but he's already playing at such a high level. But I think where the advantage comes is on the other side of the ball, I don't think Arizona can cover. I don't think that they have the guys on the outside to stick with, whether it's Ayuk, whether it's Debo. Hopefully, whatever's going on with Ayuk <laughs> it gets solved this week because they are going to need him and what better way to bust him out than on the road against a divisional opponent, not just a divisional opponent, but like, the last undefeated team in the NFL. So um, now feels like more than ever the time to lean, you know, your dudes and 49ers have dudes on offense. And I don't think that the Cardinals do on the outside. I think that, you know, Shanahan, this is where he can make his money as far as scheming away from Chandler Jones. And whether it is because they're chipping, whether it is they're protecting, leaving more guys in, giving Trey Lance time. I think just the combination of, Having Lance's legs and how we saw that open up the running game just in a few carries for Trey Sermon, um, having Elijah Mitchell back will be a big a big deal as well. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think there's going to be multiple turnovers on both sides. And for maybe the first time all season, the 49ers don't make special teams mistakes. And I think that they win actually 20 to 17. And I actually feel pretty comfortable about that. I would take the points and I would take the under. I don't think that this game is going to go over 50 points Um, just because. So when I say that the Cardinals can't cover it, I don't mean that they can't play defense. I just don't like, you know, their lack of speed on the perimeter, I guess, is the the best way to put it. So I'll take the road team. 
I will take the points, and I think it will be a typical NFC West game where you think it's going to go one way, and it just doesn't end up like that way. It never ends up like that way in this division. So that's where I'm going to go. So that'll do it for us. Um, Blake, where can we follow you on the internet? You can follow me at Blake Murphy seven on Twitter, as well as everything is at revenge of the birds. Also have the ROTB pod um, was one of the things that I've been hosting this year, which is at least fun to kind of go over. been doing a lot more this year of interacting with opposing fan bases as well, just to kind of be able to go, you know, sometimes it's fun to be able to throw some shade back and forth for the most part, at least, especially when it comes to divisional, because you get to talk to everyone two times a year and no one ever ends up going, you know, like, Six and zero against their division for the most part, especially not in the NFC West. And Akash, how about yourself? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at AKASHANAV for all your Niners related takes. How about you, KP? KP underscore show. Subscribe to YouTube, Kyle Posey. I'm trying to put as much content as there. Just talking through some of the games, talking through what the 49ers have going on, and. That should do it for us. So should be an exciting game. It should be a lot of fun. And again, expect the unexpected because it is the NFC West. Thank you as always. Please rate, subscribe, review, wherever, wherever it is that you get your podcast. And go Niners. <laughs>